Guys, people, welcome to episode 100 of Inspire Guys People, the podcast. Mama, I made it! And yes, we have an amazing guest, Shane O'Neill, Editorial Director of Proven Men Ministries, joining us for this milestone episode to answer the simply complex question, is porn actually bad? Yes, we're going to be talking about pornography and porn culture, but not before Lavelle Neal crashes the show to interview me. Who does he think he is asking me questions on my show? Right about now, if you're 18 or older, you should sit back, relax, and enjoy the inspiration. My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire Guys People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. Welcome to episode 100. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. No, no you're, you're far too kind. I don't, I don't deserve this. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, man. What can I say we hear, people? Man, y'all gonna make me cry. I'm not going to do it. Welcome to episode 100 of Inspire Guys People, the podcast people. Shout out to you for listening. If you are a first time listener, you picked an amazing time to join the show. And I appreciate you for being here. If you are a long time listener, look at you. Look at you with your, you look just inspired. Man, isn't this crazy? The journey that we've been on, the process that we've been experiencing, hasn't God been good? He's been blessing you. Look at you. I just, look at you. You, I appreciate you. You dope. And um, man, we've been united by faith on this show. We've had so many episodes, uh, so much content, so many guests. Like, thank you to all my amazing guests. Um, but look, I encourage you, if you are a new listener, Go back and start at episode one, man. People have been telling me who do this. Some people do this, you know. Shout out to you if you do this. Um, they've been telling me it blesses them to listen from episode one on through. And I believe the content is timeless. So we want you to share the show. You know that. If you're listening right now, let's make this the most listened to episode in Inspire Guys People history. Share this with five friends, not just one. We passed one. Share it with five friends. And please do give it a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you listen, take the time, please, to rate and review the show. Tell people about it, what you think about it. And uh, share it on social media. Tag us. Um, my social media tag on Instagram is at Mr. Bellwether. That's M-R underscore B-E-L-L-W-E-T-H-E-R. Um, and also at IGP Podcast. But look in the description of the show. Look, if you've never read the description of the show, read it. That's where you can see all my social media links and see how I write about what the topic of the show is and stuff like that. All right, we got those announcements out the way. Uh, we've been doing this donating um, announcement. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm, I'm going to limit the donation announcement today to PayPal. 
Um, if you would like to donate to the show, and I appreciate you if you do, um, and you're specifically right now donating to our um, brand identity makeover, brand vision development, whatever you want to call it, we're going through a complete brand makeover. Um, I'm going to hire this uh, marketing agency in the UK, um, marketing and branding design agency that I've been um, talking to since July and I've been plotting on. And um, yeah, it's an expensive thing, but it's it's worth it. So if you want to donate to the show uh, for that cause, all you have to do is donate via PayPal. Uh, go to PayPal.com and you can send a donation uh, through my email, Music at yahoo.com. That's J-E-R-M-A-I-N-E W-I-L-S-O-N music at yahoo.com uh, via PayPal. So that's for people who want to donate. We got that out the way. Look, we got all the little announcements out the way. And now I think I'm pretty much ready to jump into this show. Episode 100. Once again, man, I can't thank y'all enough for being here. If you can't tell, I'm a little anxious today. I'm a little like I'm I feel like I'm talking fast and maybe I'm a little all over the place. Uh, but that's just my excitement because episode 100 has been in my mind. It's been a goal that I wanted to get to. Um, and I'm just grateful to be here. But enough about that. Let's have some fun, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Inspire Guys People, the podcast episode 100 for the 100th time. I'm welcome you to the show. Uh, six or seven minutes in. Yep, that that just happened. That just happened. And now it's time for the J. Will music song of the day. Thank you to everybody who listens to my music. And I've been forcing you to listen to my music. Um, 400 episodes now. Like, um, every show we pretty much play uh, either a song that I have written, rapped on, produced, co-produced, any of that, or something that I featured on. Most of it is my music. You can easily find my music by searching J Will Music. That's J W I L M U S I C. This one is called I yeah. Feel Like, featuring Reed B Versus. It's early, man. I just want to tell y'all how I'm feeling today. Maybe you don't care. I just want to tell you how I feel. I guess I got a lot on my mind. You know, sometimes you feel better when you just say it. Let me tell you how I feel and we can go from there. So let's talk. I know joy comes in the morning. It's 553. There's a battle in my mind. I'm just painting what I see. I see spirit versus flesh and the spirit's in the lead. But the flesh is moving fast. It ain't all about the speed. Oh my Lord, I am sure. I am yours. I endure. Even when I get tired, I inspire for the cause. All my blood, sweat, and tears washed away at the shore. Up 
next footy I'm yawning I'm contemplating about what to say on this beat Should I weigh in on friends or should I pray for my peeps Should I just talk about just what inspires my fears I feel that I will never get flowers while I am here I feel that I am wiser but why am I lying here Trying to figure out what inspires my peers The sky is higher, I'm trying a little more I'm flying a little better, I'm gliding a little more Christ is providing guidance, the light is a little brighter Yes, I got you Forgetting why we living Living like we send us often Like we're not forgiving I feel like we become way too concerned with haters Concerned with them Never thinking about the one who made us I feel like we gotta get back to the gospel now I feel like we need to get back to the gospel now We need to get back to the gospel now You just heard uh. I feel like By yours truly J-Will Music Featuring Reed B Versus That's produced by Nicole West co-produced by Darrell Red Campbell Jr. And that is featured on my project entitled, wait for it, Inspire God's People. Yes, I have a whole album out entitled Inspire God's People that you can hear on Apple Music and Spotify and Amazon Music. Or you could just Google uh, J. Will Music, J-W-I-L-M-U-S-I-C. You can also listen to my music on YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening to my music that I force on you every single week before we get into the topic. Now, moving along, you know, um, my homeboy Lavelle has been a huge part of this show, so I think it's only right that I call him up and give him at least the opportunity, uh, you know, to talk to y'all briefly before we get into the real interview and the real topic of the day. Like, I want to give Lavelle an opportunity to get on, a, on this, you know, 100th episode um, fake celebration. This is not a celebration um, at all. Uh, but, you know, let's just roll with it. Let's call it that. If that's what it's going to take for you to feel like, you know, we doing something special for a hundredth episode, then that's what I'm going to do. Cue Lavelle's theme music, please. It's time to go. As much as it hurts me to say this, you've been uh, a huge part of the show up to this point. You've probably featured on 20 episodes, if not more than that, at least 20. Um, So I figured if I was going to even try to fake celebrate, then it made sense to have you on the show, man. This is not a celebration. I feel like you should put in an applause track for me or something. There you go. Hey, that's that thing. And guess what? Mo- mo- mostly because it hurt my ears. Okay, first of all, let me let me let me start off by saying I know that there were some naysayers out there that didn't believe you would ever make it this far, and the reason I know that is because I was one of them. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you you had at least one hater, and that was that was me. But you know, looking back over your episodes, man, you have done some. 
some amazing episodes that have literally changed people's lives. And I can say that from experience. I already told you, you know, uh, several times on this show that, you know, when you when you said don't let us end this uh, pandemic. The pandemic empty handed. Stop messing yeah. up my quotes. <laughs> That changed my life, man. It, it, it put a fire under me, man, and it helped me out. And you know, I'm, I'm doing things now, and that that really helped, man. And I can just imagine the 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 other people. Um, was was it difficult? Like just kind of, I feel like I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> can you just kind of tell us a little bit of you know the you know the process going through being so consistent? You never missed an episode. There was never a week that went by in the last 100 and something weeks. Yeah. Um, because you used to do the half, you, the, I, I call them the half shows. Yeah. But uh, the, point the, the point episode. Yeah, the point five, you know. So it's actually, actually it's more than 100, but officially this is titled the 100th episode. So was it, was it, was it, was it all easy? Was it just like, I mean, because you make it, you, you make it sound easy as slicing butter with a heated butter knife right (laughs) but it wasn't wasn't that easy no man but some of the things are scary is like you know i've also been promoted at work you know throughout the process of having a podcast for two years and you know you go from having like a regional job covering a few states to like covering the country um that means i'm working later because i'm dealing with people in different time zones and then we had the whole working from home thing this year, which means like, you know, you I've actually worked more because now you just on Zoom calls all day. So it was scary from the standpoint of there were times where I genuinely didn't know how I was going to do a show that week. And I'm like, mm. I don't know. And then there's the, the creative inspiration that's tough because you don't always feel inspired. You don't always have an idea. But I made up in my mind that no matter how life changed around me, um, that I was going to keep going. Yeah. So, yeah, man, that, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. I, I definitely want to give a, um, a shout out to your wife, man. Tiff, you know, first, first of all, just dealing with you, give her a shout out for that. That's <laughs> right. just, the, I can't even, I talk to you once a week and it vexes my spirit, but yeah. I, I can't even imagine. But <laughs> every day, um, every day. <laughs> I just wanted to thank God for her, man, because you are a very busy man. But the whole point of your podcast is balancing faith and business, right? Yeah. Which a part of your faith is your family, right? So balancing. How, how difficult is it? And I'm gonna let you go after this. How difficult is it? You know, balancing family life along with doing the show because you were busy at your job you're busy at your church you know but you still have a family so yeah it's not that hard for me to be honest okay okay um and i'm not i think that's something people need to hear uh yeah and i don't don't want to say that i don't want i hopefully i don't come off a certain way saying that i don't know i don't view that as hard though even even when things are challenging i don't view it as hard because i'm trying to do it in purpose So I'm not doing things like this show to take away from my family. I'm Mm -hmm. doing things like this show to add to my family. Um, Mm. This is making me a better man. 
which has benefited my wife. So a lot of the things we talk about on the show, and I know it's a long answer, I'm sorry, but a lot of the things no, we talk excellent. about on the show, um, I'm applying them to my life too. So like throughout mm-hmm. this process, I'm becoming better, which means my wife is getting better results. So it would be like if I took your car and started giving it a tune-up and fixing brakes and whatever. Now, I'm taking your car every day. And you like your car. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, why Jermaine taking my car? But then when I bring mm-hmm. it back to you every single day, you're like, man, this, wow, this, you know what? This drives a little better. Like, my brakes are a yeah. little better. So that's the way I view it. If I'm going to take time away from my wife and my family to do these things, then I better be becoming a better person um, so that when they're around me, they can be like, oh, you know what? I'm not mad that he did that show a hundred times because he's mm-hmm. different. Huh? Mm. Well, I hope that, I hope that, I hope somebody got that. I know I did. I received that. That was really, really good. And that's it, brother. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to end the interview because I'm ready for you to get to your interview. I'm, I really want to hear this dynamic interview, brother. So, but congratulations, man, on 100 episodes. I am honored to have been a small part of that and looking forward to jumping on with you some more with some deep revelations. Hey, man, all jokes aside, I appreciate you, bro. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that I couldn't have did without you throughout this process. And um, it's a blessing, you know, to have, um, you know, a brother, a friend, um, you know, I haven't always been easy to deal with. I'm talking as you now. You you haven't always. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I appreciate you, bro, man. And uh, yeah, man, let's let's stop talking so I can get to the interview that they really want to hear today. Yes, sir. But before you hear that, no, I'm just joking. Um, I will say this. <laughs> check out Lavelle Quarantine with Lavelle. Um, check them out, Lavelle Neal on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, show some love to what he's doing in his show as well. Um, and, and stay blessed, brother. Um, but, yeah, please get off my line so I can continue on my show, please. So we can get the 101. I don't want people to stop listening. And we never make it to 101 episodes. Yeah, right. <laughs> thank, thank you, Lavelle. God's people, are y'all ready, man, to get into this dope interview today with your nasty self? You saw that title and was like, oh, this look kind of interesting. Yeah, send this one to your friends and uh, let's see if it catches them off guard. Let me interview you. Here's what we gonna do. You gonna talk to me and I'm gonna talk to you. Maybe on the phone or possibly in person. Either way it goes, we gonna be talking purpose. God's people, what's up? I am super excited today. Um, as I always say, I'm excited. I literally have to get better at my intros. It, it doesn't sound genuine at all. But I'm genuinely excited, trust me. Um, today, I'm going to be talking with Shane O'Neill, uh, Editorial Director of Proven Men's Ministries. Proven Men Ministries, I'm sorry. Um, you can find them at provenmen.org. Shane, what's up, bro? How you doing today, man? Hey, Jaren. Uh, glad to be on today, man. It's cool to be with you. Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on today to talk about a topic that I've kind of been saving in my back pocket and really been waiting to, until I had a professional, uh, someone who's really like in the this area, right, um, of ministry. Uh, this is not a topic that I wanted to be um, kind of irresponsible in addressing. Um, so I appreciate you being on today. We're going to talk about, um, you know, 
porn culture, um, which is, I believe, something that um, impacts us more than a lot of times we pay attention to. So we're going to talk about a lot of things as it relates to pornography, um, as believers, um, but as people in general. Uh, right. But first, I want to learn a little bit about you, Shane. Uh, so I typically like to start off with like, you know, who were you um, in high school? Like, you know, I want to get a little background on who you were and then maybe figure out like how you got involved with Proving Men Ministries. So I will let you take it wherever you want to take it um, with your background from there. Sure, man. No, I appreciate that. I was uh, born in the Philippines. My folks were missionaries out there. Uh, moved to the States when I was five. They were there for 13 years doing church planting. Um, uh, basically had a pretty staple upbringing. We moved a ton. Uh, so maybe that's the only way that it diverges from other people's uh, growing up stories. Um, when I was in eighth grade, a series of just really awful things happened face to face with death and some sexual abuse and whatnot. And uh, of like close friends of mine and I didn't stop believing God existed. I just stopped liking him. Uh, but I didn't know what to do with the pain that was around me. So I used drugs to insulate myself from the pain of the world because I didn't know what to do with it. I thought all of this happened just so God could get glory. And if glory meant our pain, then it was worth it to him. So I stopped liking him. Uh, so I was pretty jacked up on drugs for a bunch of years. Uh, found out right as I ended high school that God actually has a heart, uh, started to look at Jesus, um, that Jesus went through loneliness so that he could know me in my loneliness, that Jesus went through, well, despair, like he was left alone on the cross so he could know me in my despair, and he knows what pain is. So all of a sudden, I'm confronted with this God who wants to know humanity so badly that he went through, uh, well, all sorts of pain so that he could know us. Uh, so that was 19, and I've known him for over a decade now, which is incredible. Uh, I was, I was washed up. I was, I was a mess, and uh, Jesus saved me from a lot. Um, I went to Word of Life Bible Institute in Florida for a while. I worked on the dean staff down there. Uh, got a graduate degree from Liberty University in apologetics, and I've been working. It's actually now proven ministries because, unfortunately, this topic of pornography, uh, or as you call it, porn culture. And hookup culture, because they go hand in hand. It's not just a guy issue anymore. So we've got uh, tons of resources for women, uh, as well as wives, because a lot of wives come face to face with this issue in their husbands, and they have no idea how to process it. They start to question their vows, like, did he ever love me? And they don't know how to know Jesus in the midst of that, well, seemingly betrayal, because they find out their husband's cheating on them, either with a digital mistress or an actual one, and they don't know where Jesus is in that. So all sorts of resources for that. and. Uh, Unfortunately, the sin isn't just isolated to men. Man, no, that's a great point. Um, I know you guys, um, IG bio um, actually stuck out to me. It says, inspiring men and women to take a stand for sexual integrity and to stand against porn. So to your point, um, although, you know, and I'm sure probably the name probably came from how it was founded and things like that, um, but there, this is definitely not something that's limited to men. Uh, it, it impacts women as well. So I'm, I was excited actually to see that, you know, the way you guys kind of go in depth with the resources and that is a huge part of this. So I would encourage everybody who's, um, listening today, you know, to go to you guys website, provenmen.org. Um, and all of this is in the link of the description of the show. Um, but I, I really want this conversation to be something that, Hey, is one thing to talk about it, but, but knowing that there's tools out there and things that can help people. Um, I appreciate you guys most definitely for doing that. 
Um, you're you're an interesting guy to me from this standpoint. Number one, born in the Philippines, that's pretty cool. Um, I have ties. My one of my closest friends that I grew up with actually still lives there now. Uh, he's half Filipino. Uh, played pro basketball over there maybe for the last ten or fifteen, uh, ten to twelve years or so. Um, so I definitely have spent a lot of time around some Filipinos, and um, I, I got a special affinity for the Filipino culture. Uh, amazing people. So it's pretty cool that you were uh, born there and lived there for five years. The other thing that stuck out to me about you is like um, your education, right? So I looked at the fact you got this undergrad in apologetics. Um, you know, I believe now you're actually um, working on a grad degree um, in apologetics at Liberty University's Rawling School of Divinity. That sounds super important. Um, but tell me a little bit about that. Like, how does your educational background and experience like relate to this world of porn culture in the ministry that you're doing there. I guess I would imagine that this background in apologetics somehow connects and allows you to be able to help people um, in this porn culture. Yeah, no, that's all of that is very helpful. I mean, um, so proven has been around for something like 19 years. We're coming up on 20. Um, like I said, only in the last year have we started to publish material for women. Um, and so we're in that transition to, to Proven Ministries. Um, for me, I've been working for Proven for four years, coming up, yeah, coming up on five. And uh, I, so for me, when I became a Christian, there were, there were two things I couldn't kick. Like I, I was able to kick all sorts of drugs. Uh, but I couldn't kick pornography. Um, it's kind of difficult when, well, when the drug is attached to your body. And, and that's how I, I, I perceived it. And I didn't know how to get distance from it. Um, uh, so when I started, it took years. It took like years of like real, I don't know, just like engaging spiritual formation and trying to like process that um, to be able to get distance from that and to like reimagine the value of body. Uh, to understand that Jesus was resurrected in the body and this kind of idea that like only our souls matter and that like Jesus, what Jesus did with the body uh, matters. Therefore what we do with the body matters. And so getting this new ethic from Jesus and how he dignifies the body and how he's resurrected in the body is coming in the body. So like the body is really significant in the biblical narrative, which started to give me like an ethic that I could actually live into and starting to engage life and experience life with my body, not just to abuse my body. And then all of a sudden become a Christian, like try and do my best with my body, but know to actually like know that life is worth living and that there's great joy about experiencing things like, like hugging your kids or hugging your spouse or like going on for on walks or going to explore nature. Like there's all sorts of things that like, like we're, we're in sold bodies. Like that's what we are. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was really important. I was up in Pennsylvania. I was in Philadelphia. And while I was there, uh, I started noticing a lot of, a lot of community not knowing how to process things around sexual ethics. Um, so whether that's like anything from like abortion to like sex before marriage to pornography. And so I went down to Liberty to do a graduate degree in apologetics because I wanted to be able to wrestle well through these issues. And I didn't know how to wrestle well through them. And I like that Jesus wrestles with us. And so if there are issues I didn't know how to wrestle with people, I knew that I needed to know, get to know Jesus better so I could be more present to his people. Uh, bumped into Proven, and I've been with them ever since. Wow. That's amazing, man. Like, so, like, for me, 
you know, just hearing that process, right? Like every, every step that we take, even when I think about, you know, purpose, and we talk a lot about process on this show, you know, every step that you took was leading you towards proven. And it was like, you know, the fact that it really started with their own internal struggle. Right. And a lot of times, you know, that is what leads us to ministry. It's not that we're so perfect or we have it all figured out. It's really that we understand within our humanity what our flaws are, and it draws us to want to help other people and want to learn, right, to help ourselves. I know, like, for myself, even with creating this show, a lot of it is really because these are things that I didn't have or realized that I needed and had to learn. So um, that that's amazing to to kind of hear the way the understanding the apologetics and what our bodies mean um, in relation to Christ. Um, and how that's led you here. So, so that's amazing. So one, one last thing about you, uh, or one last question before we kind of jump in, uh, more into porn culture in general and some of the work that you guys do. Uh, I'm curious as to like why Hebrews 12 and 14, I was reading your bio and I'm always, always ask people this when they have a scripture in their bio, like, what is it about this scripture in particular? Um, that you're so drawn to that it was was in your bio and i, I wrote down the at least the new living translation of ver, uh, verse and it says work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the lord so what is it about that scripture um that really um you know you're drawn to yeah i know what it's like to not be able to see goodness and beauty and truth um, and like, that's the stuff that like makes life worth living, you know, like God makes life worth living, um, to light yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so for me, it's like, like, why, because like holiness, like for its own sake, just turns into like a very rid, rigid religiosity. And like, what's the point? You know, like I always need to know, like, what's, what's the point? And like, he makes life worth living and with all my heart, I want to see him. And that's like always Jesus's major contention in the gospels that he who has eyes to see and ears to hear, see and hear. And so like, that's just a constant refrain of my heart. Like God, give me eyes to see and ears, ears to hear. Cause like, I like life is hard. Like life is difficult. Like there's a grind to life, but like, there's also so much goodness, truth and beauty to it. And I just want to be able to engage that uh, with his family, uh, with the world around me and to be able to give that to people who know nothing about it. And they're just like struggling and they're treading water. A lot of them are like sinking and just coming up for gas there. And it's like, no, like Jesus is very present and he knows how to walk on water, you know, and I want to be present with him. So all of that just animates me. And I, it it really is like, I mean, that's the stuff that makes life worth living for me. So for me, it's like, why holiness? It's like, so we can see him. Like we need to see him because life is just too hard not to see him. I feel that. I love it. Um, all right. So porn culture, I've I've been thinking about like, where do I want to start this conversation at? And I figure, uh, most people that I know, um, who've ever really struggled with porn or, you know, anything close to that. Um, it really started in one or two ways. No, I'll say number one, it typically, you know, they were introduced at a younger age than I think most of us may expect, or maybe just mo- more than a younger age than we want to admit. Um, and it typically is like they either found something or, you know, they were introduced to something um, or unfortunately they were sexually abused. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, right. Just starting with like, you know, the impact on children. 
and you know maybe just generally speaking about porn and and how you know what what do you guys know about you know how kids are impacted by it and maybe some things that people can do uh, to put in place because one of the things I always think about Shane is like my wife and I don't have children yet we definitely want children and it kind of scares me if I'm just being honest I'm just had this conversation in a transparent way it scares me like how do I protect my kids from this and it feels like it's all around us. And I know so many stories of people who were either abused by uh, trustworthy people in their family or, you know, they found something at a young age. So what can you kind of help us with and ground in the conversation, uh, maybe in some of the challenges and the realities of um, porn culture in children? Yeah. The, so maybe start with the, we'll start with the reality. Uh, question and then uh, let me engage that and then circle back around because there are awesome resources and awesome ways to engage your children when it comes to this stuff. Uh, so when it comes to the reality, the reality is grisly. It's just ugly. It's beat up. Um, all the things you said are true. Like the average age of exposure is age eight to age twelve. Like I myself, I was exposed when I was like nine, like super young, and I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't even biologically like get off to this stuff. Right. Yeah. Like I, I like I, I hadn't even hit puberty, but it uh, I was enamored by it. Like there's something about the nude fe- uh, female form or male form uh, that just captivates something in our soul, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because you do see that in Genesis. There's like this untranslatable Hebrew word there. And it's just a gasp that Adam has when he first sees Eve. And that's true. Like there's that echo of Eden that still lives inside of us. And so for me, and for a lot of kids, it's just, it's so stimulating. And children in particular are like wired to move towards novelty because they're taking the world in for the first time, um, which is part of the dilemma with like the social media culture that we find ourselves in because we're remaining adolescents in that we are captivated by novelty. And we're all just addicted to novelty. We just stream through things. And that's how they get us. And that's how the porn industry, they have two criteria when it comes to creating porn and trying to make it better. And that is novelty arousal, novelty value and arousal value. Um, but yeah, so like it's, it's gnarly and they intentionally like the porn, porn sites and porn manufacturers, they intentionally create sites around like harmless names so that children are looking up the white house. And then all of a sudden they're seeing the naked form. Uh, so it's, it's there. It's present. Uh, ab- abuse is, wild like child on child abuse in particular because kids watch this stuff and they're designed to role play like that is what children do to try and figure out their place in the world and so they watch this stuff it's engaging and it animates their imagination and then they try it out with other kids oftentimes younger than themselves and so it's it's yeah it's there uh and it shouldn't be overlooked just because it's ugly and like i said there are incredible resources uh, for parents to be able to walk with their children through this stuff. Um, do you want more on that, or do you uh, do you want to jump to yeah. some of the, the resources? Yeah, yeah, ju- that that's perfect. Let's jump into some of the resources. We d- we don't have to spend a lot of time there. I just wanted to, like, for me, I guess you know you you feel like something is true, or like you feel like, hey, this this is what I've heard anecdotally in my life, um, and, and just kind of like wanting to hear. It sounds like that that is the case. I mean, the the eight to twelve. Um, average age of of exposure is is definitely um, alarming. But yeah, what are some of those resources? Yeah, the resources are cool. And even something like as simple as an iPhone has filtration blocks where you can, you can 
you can literally manage like how much internet access you have on your phone and you can like make it so that you don't have internet access. You can still like use your email. You can still use GPS. It just doesn't let you look stuff up or you can, you can do like a limited filter by which you can view whatever it is you put in that limited filter. Um, so you can still access the things you need to. Uh, so there, there are resources all over the place. And that's like, that's true of uh, like, like Disney services as well as like anything with Netflix and even Apple products. So like they're there, they just don't advertise them because it's not good for advertisement. But when it comes to like ethics with technology, like those resources are, are there. We, uh, so I host, I host a podcast called The Naked Gospel, and uh, we had uh, Kristen A. Jensen on recently, and this woman is like, she's baller. She is so cool. She's, she's a grandmother, and she wanted to read some stuff to her kids, and she was hoping that it would give them some kind of ethic, not nothing explicit, absolutely nothing explicit, but just some kind of like ethic on the beauty of the body as well as like learning to say yes to good things and no to bad things. And she couldn't find anything anywhere, like nothing educational that's harmless for children. And so she spends like the next few years writing these children's books and they're called, it's called Good Images, Bad Images. And she's got them for like, like young kids. And then she's got them for like 10, 12, 13 year olds. And she has all sorts of resources. She is so cool. Um, so they're out there and they're available. Uh, and it doesn't even take much like like searching to find these things. Um, the ones I've mentioned, I wholeheartedly endorse. Um, but there's so much more that uh, that's out there. And this is specifically for children. So I, I imagine that it will probably move towards maybe adults and like yeah, what that looks sure. like for adults. But as far as children goes, like resources are out there uh, and there's some really incredible stuff. No, that's great. That's great. Um, and and then, like, so one last question about children before we move into adults. I'm curious, like, from just your work and, and you know, again, like you said, you have a podcast and you're talking to people. Like, w since we know that the average age of exposure is 8 to 12, for people with kids out there, at what point should parents be having these conversations um, with their children um, to protect them from from that? Because I think one of the things in my mind is like, all right, I don't want my kids to be introduced to something from the world, the secular worldview or the abusive side that wants to take advantage of them. So if they're learning about something, I would want them to be learning about it in, in the proper fashion. So. Do you find that that's a challenge um, just in general to, to like monitor like when you should be having these conversations with your children? Yeah, that is the million dollar question, isn't it? Uh, and there are really good answers to that, to that question out there. There's a, a guy named Jay Holland. He hosts a podcast uh, called Let's Parents on Purpose. And a lot of it engages this stuff in particular. Um, he's the one who, who's taught me. Uh, so children are going to be exposed to this stuff because almost anything we watch, there's innuendos, even in Disney shows, like sexual innuendos, references, and then like other stuff, like there's, there's soft porn in that there's like assumed sex scenes, even if there isn't any nudity. And so it is teaching our children an ethic of affection that is very loose. Uh, uh, yeah. So he he argues, and I think he argues rightly, that like the primary place that children should see affection is when they look at their parents. Like, are they cuddling? Like, yeah. do they hold hands when they walk? Like, 
Like, do they sneak a kiss in between doing the dishes? You know, like those sorts of things are really powerful and really potent because if it, like a kid's world can be falling apart, but if mom and dad are okay, then their world is okay. But when mom and dad aren't okay, then like they have nothing to stand on and they are going to learn ethics of, of relationships and intimacy from all the things around them, all the culture that's trying to, like, you can go to the mall, you watch Netflix, like, YouTube, Facebook, like, it's all over the place. Um, so you can't really get away from it. But if you can, you, if you can sew that into them from the home, then that's really good and that's really wholesome. There's also um, this guy, uh, Al Moeller, he said, uh, he said, don't buy your kids stuff, buy them experiences and have those experiences with them. And I found that to be like really potent advice. Yeah, like that is really good. So there's a, um, so the the biggest uh, porn site in the world, every year they release their statistics about like how much porn was viewed, how many people went to the site. Uh, and every, every year I look at them uh, and it just floors me. Um, but there's this really cool moment uh, it was in 2017, there was a solar eclipse, and it passed over, like, literally, like, the entirety of North America. And so, for perspective, uh, during, like, like Major League Baseball or, like, the NFL, um, porn will drop, like, 2 or 3% during the hours of those major events, like, during the Super Bowl. Wow. Um, when this solar eclipse was passing over, you can look at the states. They created this nifty infograph, and you can look at the states, and they drop by like fifty-four percent, like seventy-three percent. You know, so like people, even like the path that it wasn't on, people are like leaving their states to go and see the celestial events, because when something that beautiful was put in front of them, mm-hmm. the lie and the fabrication of pornography was made raw and made real, and you could see right through it. It's just a, it's just a shadow. There's like literally nothing there. And so people put their porn down to go see something truly beautiful. And so that's why I think like that's what gives Moeller's uh, quote so much, so much power. It's like, no, don't buy them stuff, buy them experiences and have those experiences with them because we are designed for beauty. And if we're not consuming beauty, then we are going to be looking for it elsewhere. Children will be looking for it elsewhere, especially if you just ask them to go entertain themselves. Um, and that, that meets that novelty demand because that is so beautiful. Like you go out and watch the leaves changing, you know, like you can go yeah. out and do so many things with your kids. So that's, uh, that's, that's the last, the only other thing I would say is that kids ask a lot of questions and don't be intimidated to ask those questions with your kids. Um, they're getting answers. And a lot of times we have answers to questions we've never asked and just being willing to, during a movie, when they ask a question to look at that question seriously with them. Um, Because if you don't answer it and you don't explore it with them, they'll fill in an answer in a different way. And that answer will just be the answer given in that film. Um, That's Yeah. So I think the answer of the display of intimacy with the, within the home between the parents is really the best example that can be given. No, you said some some great things. I love the example of like consuming beauty and, and having given them experiences versus just stuff, because uh, I even think that's true. Like even as an adult, when I think about my marriage for my wife and I, um, we discover we're you know, we'll be celebrating uh, 14 years um, next week, actually. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we discover like really early on for us um, that like, you know what? Maybe it was year six or seven. That's not that early on. But we had basically discovered that for us traveling together 
is something that like gives like rejuvenates our marriage. So I'm super busy. You know, you get super busy. You're you're doing all type of stuff in your in your regular everyday life. And sometimes if you're not careful, you know, we've been guilty of that in the past where your marriage can kind of suffer because you're busy doing all this other stuff. Um, but for us, we, we took this one trip, you know, seven or eight years ago and it was actually a road trip and it was 10 hours and we had had the best conversation that we had ever had in our lives up to that point. And that was basically when we discovered that for us, these experiences away from everyone else together were a big deal. So we take a big trip every year. I mean, this year we're not doing it, but. Thankfully, we took a, a trip last December, so it was kind of the end of last year that we went to the Bahamas. But every time we take these trips, it's like we learn something new about ourselves. And I think it's to that point you're making of like giving experiences. It just makes me think when we have children, we'll have to incorporate that to give them those experiences where we're helping develop them. So, no, that's that's amazing. Um so transitioning from children to adults, you said something earlier about um, us being addicted to novelty. And that's how, um, you know, we get addicted, I guess, to soft pornography and things through social media. So maybe we can kind of use social media as the bridge to talk about um, porn culture in adulthood. Um, and, and even touching on like soft porn, because to me, I think both. At, and, and this kind of this still relates to children, this last point. I think one of the things that happens is we think we solve an issue by ignoring that it's there. So I think a lot of people know that, you know, the, the struggle of pornography is out there. You know, people secretly know uh, people even know that their kids are dealing with it. But I think there's something in us that feels like if we just ignore it, we don't have to deal with it. So can you just talk yeah. a lot like a little bit about like the everyday impact of social media and soft pornography and, and sometimes hard pornography as well. But just like the, I guess from access is what I want to deal with, like how it's so accessible today um, and how we manage that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's this guy named uh, Nico. Um, I only remember that because it's fun to say. Uh, he <laughs> won the Nobel Prize like some years ago for some research that he did. Wow. He took uh, these plastic butterflies. Um, okay, so he took a bunch of butterflies, um, and they were mating with their spouses. And then he took away all the female butterflies and put in plastic female butter butterflies. All the males started to mate with them, uh, at least try to. Um, and then they reintroduced the, the actual female butterflies, and the male butterflies wouldn't mate with them. They were more captivated by the sparkles and glamour and plastic of, of these fake butterflies. Wow. And that research has, like, been carried on exponentially. And even, like, the porn industry has used that in its own way. But, like, it is true that, like, that when, when there's something novel, we, we move towards it. We, we like sparkly things, like moths move towards flame. And it makes absolutely no sense because it will kill them every single time. But nonetheless, it's all novelty and the creation around us. We're all driven towards novelty. And that's really like the psychology of social media that like, like it's very hard to find on your news, news, uh, news feed something you've seen before because they're constantly like refreshing it for you so that you're constantly staying on there longer. So like the novelty is very strong. And that's why uh, like the internet has revolutionized pornography because because magazines and video were 
really like 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 that was the, the medium for porn for a long time, but it didn't have a strong uh, arousal uh, uh, novelty potential because those scenes would get old, right? Like you can only look at a static image on a on a magazine for so long before it just gets dull and loses its luster. Same thing with a video. Like, sure, you have, like, dynamic interplay and actual sex scenes. You only fit, like, two or three in, in the story. And you can only watch that so many times before you don't want to watch it anymore. It loses yeah. its luster. And so, like, there's also the shame aspect of, like, having to return it and then get something else. And, like, how often should you do that? And how, how many can you check out at once without looking like a freak? Uh, all of that went away with the Internet. And so now there's uh, something called tube sites. Uh, so with tube sites, think YouTube. Um, so basically like every porn site is oriented around tube siting. And so like you can go there and browse videos like uh, not just for days, but like, like for years on end. Like if you, if, wow. if we spent the rest of our lives only watching novel porn, uh, we wouldn't be able to exhaust the database. Like someone would have to have started in like 1888 wow. and watched it every second of every minute of every year until today to exhaust all the porn that's on the internet. It's crazy. That's crazy. Um, it is wild, but they intentionally keep these videos like, like four or five minutes long because that's the arousal value. No one can go from like zero to right. Like to actually getting off in a matter of, of four or five minutes. And so they create it that way so that you're, you're, they keep you stimulated with the arousal value because you can't get off and the novelty value of I'll find the next best porn. And that's why people will binge porn for hours on end because they're not actually addicted to like getting off. They're addicted to the stimulation of it. They're addicted to the novelty of it. Uh, and like I only learned this recently, but like a lot of people watch like 10 videos playing at once because they're trying to stream together something that's long enough for them to – actually get off to um so that's that's maybe more than you wanted but that's a, no. that's a I, I would reckon a good look at, at what you're asking no that's good that's good perspective and, and again like this is one of those things like i don't want to be shy about discussing this stuff because we know it's out there and you know i feel like you know we we have to get ahead and, and not that we are anywhere near ahead of this but you know there it's just becoming more and more accessible and, I, and i'll tell you like from a personal standpoint um, this really started, it's something I really started. I'm not going to say I started noticing, but it started bothering me at another level on the past couple years with movies, because I saw, I noticed that there were a couple movies my wife and I went to see and the preview did not expose the level of pornography as the actual movie actually had. And I started seeing how I was like, oh, wow, they're using your favorite actors and actresses. And like, you even talked about like porn used to be something I know, like when I was growing up, like, and I'm in my thirties, it was like one of those things where it was off in the corner. Like you had to sneak and go do it. And now I'm like, man, like the most mainstream movies, nobody's calling it pornography, but I'm like, yo, this is porn. Like, and my wife and yeah. I had to start having some, some really serious conversations around like, do we think we should be watching this? And if I'm being, again, just being completely transparent, like having conversations around like, all right, is this bothering you? Is this something you can actually handle? And just speaking for myself, there was this one movie and I'm talking like the opening scene, they were like in a strip club and it was just like a movie we rented again, didn't know this was going to be the level of it. 
open the yeah. scene is like a strip club and it's like so i mean like they were like going in and it felt it seemed like it was 100 girls in there and i had to stop it i was like i'm not gonna lie like i can't do it <laughs> like we just stopped the whole movie yeah. um yeah. so yeah so that's kind of why like for me why i want to dive into this the way we are and openly and honestly is because i'm like it's out there we all know it's out there um so I'm curious to you, like, this is more of a personal question. Um, how do you manage like that, like the, the movie or the accessibility or like, you know, is what I just described something that you're used to hearing about a husband and wife with the movie or whatever it may be, um, or, or kind of what's your personal, you know, point of view or, or the way you handle those type of things? Yeah, two questions there. Yes, that is very common. Uh, I hear that. I read that more often than I like. Uh, kind of like the next evolution of pornography is like sex bots and and like VR stuff. Yeah. Um, and like Christians do live in a bubble. I, I reckon that there are probably a lot of people listening to this. They're like, no, like I'm like I don't have kids or like my kids are fine and I don't really struggle with this. And it's like, well. Like, if only for the sake of witness of knowing the culture around you, like, there are, like, so many couples who, like, watch porn together to get off. Like, that's, and, like, for children, like, that becomes their sex ed when they're watching porn. Like, that's their sex ed. That's their standard for intimacy. Um, and, like, there are too many testimonies out there. And I think, I'll use the language, you're welcome to edit this out, but, like, so many wives who say um, um, that, uh, that there's no intimacy in our relationship and he just uses me as a wet bag of flesh to masturbate into, right? Like that's really ugly language. Uh, but it's, 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 it's real. Like that's yeah. what they're experiencing. And that's like their spouse, like, like a husband or I've read about women who have to do this. They have to watch porn secretly before they can get aroused so that they can go and actually get in bed. And a lot of people do, they watch porn thinking that like one day we'll get married and this problem will go away because I'll have a sexual outlet. But again, that's like porn is sex ed and it is not like you. There's so much communication that is needed in sex that you just do not see in porn. Uh, and it is so, so selfish. It is, it, it is. is all about our pleasure. And that is not what marriage is alike at all. It's not even what it's about. It's not about your pleasure, you know? So uh, that answers that aspect of the question. For the, the personal parts, you still want me to answer that, that yeah, question? Yeah, that's fine. If you want to share, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, so that's... Um, so I, I'm not addicted to porn, uh, by the grace of God. I'm not. Um, I am I am a millennial. I am addicted to novelty. I am yeah. addicted to to that stimulation. Um, and so for me, uh, when it comes to like spiritual formation, like the hardest thing for me is being still um, and uh, abiding, like, like abiding is like a spiritual formation is so darn hard. Like ask me to like serve people food, like take out the trash. I'm more than happy to do it. Read my Bible, memorize scripture. If it's like, Hey, just be still, like, just be still. Uh, that's hard for me. Um, so for me personally, I, I do two things. Um, one is every day in the middle of the day, I spend 15 minutes doing absolutely nothing. I set an alarm on my phone and I make sure that I'm not in motion and I'm not consuming any stimulation. Uh, and I just feel for 15 minutes. Uh, sometimes I'll pray. Usually I'll start and be like, God, just allow me to feel 
whatever you want. Sometimes I go into memories, but I'm just able to breathe. My soul is able to breathe for a little bit. Um, so that's one. Uh, and then two is, okay, so like technology does put a knot in our prefrontal cortex. It knots it up so that like the other parts of our brain, it like constricts uh, passageways. So like as we experience life, um, those experiences can't get all the way into our brain. So like it, it, it messes with our, like our memory is stifled, our ability to like know peace, our ability to be present, our ability to be balanced, like all these things that like are regulated by the other parts of the brain aren't as accessed because technology is like so stimulating and it just grabs our prefrontal cortex and it just knocks it up. Uh, so I just, I do the weekends without technology. I, I don't do a phone or a computer on the weekends. And it's taken like so much fine tuning to be able to do that. And it's not a law, like, you know, like yeah. the wedding that weekend or anything like that. Like, of course, I'm going to have it on me if, if, if my parents or my uh, any family members need to get a hold of me. Then, like, I have it accessible, but I don't use it. And even, like, with my phone, like, during the week, like, there's a black and white setting so that it's not just, like, uh, colorized pixels that are just jacking up my brain. Mm-hmm. Like, I have the black and white setting all week long. So there's, like, different uh, ways of, like, managing um, my ability to abide and my ability to be still and not be grabbed by information and grabbed by stories that aren't mine and living in stories that don't belong to me, uh, all to kind of try and medicate the fact that I don't know how to live my stories. Man, like, all right. So I love that, that last part you said about like not living in stories that aren't yours. Cause I know for a fact, like social media creates an entirely different world. Um, that if I turn my phone off, like, let's say, like, I haven't been on Facebook um, in the last couple of months. I actually did one random live video um, that was in relation to the podcast. But I decided a couple months ago that I, I wanted to take the rest of the year um, off of Facebook just because of um, the climate and I, just some things I wasn't liking about it. I'm, as a believer for me, um, I believe in being united by the faith and things like that. And I feel like there's just so much negativity. It was like draining me. And I, I like, Hey, I need to get away from this stuff because it's creating like a different world than I believe in. Um, but yeah. what I like about your approach is to the point that you made, it's not like this is like legalistic stuff or saying, Hey, everyone has to do this. But what I like about yeah. it is it was you recognizing, Hey, what do, what are some of my challenges? What are some of my flaws with this stuff? And then let me do some things like that. Taking 15 minutes a day to do nothing. And I would encourage people to think like that, like not meaning do exactly like copy and paste what you're doing, but look at ourselves and be like, okay, what do I need to do to ensure that I'm, you know, protected as as much as possible from, from some of these things. Cause with, with social media, I mean, the algorithms and things like that, I can't tell you like you open up Instagram and it's like, you can scroll for three minutes and you're going to see some level of pornography or soft pornography and it's like, whoa, yeah. I got, when was I following this person? Like, cause one of the things that's interesting about social media, this is super random. We don't even have to discuss this, but it's interesting cause people change. So I've noticed like, I could have started following you four years ago and you were a certain way. And then like randomly your page pops up on my feed today. And it's like, you're a totally different person doing all type of wild stuff. Um, yeah. all right. Yeah. That was super random. Sorry. But all right. Back to the conversation. Um, all right. So you you wrote an article recently um and it was entitled is porn actually bad um i want to talk a little bit about that because i think as we talk about porn culture 
I do think there are some people who can kind of make excuses for ourselves to to make ourselves feel like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Oh, it's not a big yeah. deal that, you know, the husband or the wife watches it every now and then. I, you know, so I want to talk yeah. a little bit about like, you know, some of the inspiration behind you writing that because it was literally like just a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah. also like what, you know, to answer some of the answers to that question. I, I read the article. I know there's some studies in there and there's some questions I have about that. But like, how do you typically answer that question um, to someone and how did you answer it in the article? Uh, for anyone who's questioning that, that this is even a big deal to be talking about. Yeah, there, there, are, uh, there's like a stratum to be able to even answer that question. Is there are layers to it? Like, there's the manufacturing, there's the dis- distribution, there's the actors, there's the consumption, and then there's like the personal and interpersonal and cultural impacts. So, like, there's so many ways to go about that. Um, when it came, well, it's worth saying that, like, the UN. Uh, has put out stats saying that something like 60 to 70 percent at least of pornography are sex trafficked individuals. Right. So like it's like like so much we just assume that we're in the States and like like free love, free sex. It's all coming out of Hollywood and it's all like like just just so equal rights. And it's just it's not the case even in Hollywood. But like there's so much porn on there that is like staged to look authentic. Like so like a guy's picking up a girl and he takes her home. And it's all it's all like abused individuals. They're all being exploited. Like so many of them. So even and this is self incriminating. Like anybody who has had like a porn habit. So we'll call it habit because people sometimes have an allergy to addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's had like a porn habit where they're viewing porn on some kind of regular basis, a few times a month, for like, I don't know, any, any period of time, like a year, half a year, whatever. Um, like the stats say that at one point you were, you, you were viewing somebody who was being sex trafficked, right? Like you, we were getting pleasure from that. Even if we scroll past them, like how much worse is that? You know, like seeing somebody in that kind of peril and we just scroll right through because we want to get off, right? We want to be pleasured. Uh, and so that's, that's like a really, it's teaching us a motivation, again, an ethic uh, that is so dehumanizing. And it, it dehumanizes other people, but also dehumanizes ourselves because it just makes ourselves like just objects that thrive for pleasure in dark places, you know? Like that's the paradigmatic image for pornography, like a guy or a girl hiding in a room with the lights off yeah. and their phone or their computer, you know? So that's that. Uh, the The article itself, yeah, so a lot of people will argue that um, is porn really bad, like actually bad. So people will say that like porn is symptomatic. Like Christians say this and secularists say this, that like we all have wounds and that porn isn't the issue. We're just using porn to medicate. And that is certainly true. Like we use porn to hide from ourselves, right? Again, because we don't like our stories. We Literally, people don't just use porn when they're, like, aroused. Like, they use porn when they're depressed, when they're lonely, when they're bored. Like, definitely when they're bored. Um, And to, like, get to sleep, to, like, wake up. Like, we use porn for, like, all sorts of reasons. Um, But, like, the studies, like, they're they're, – I use three in that. And there are – there, there were six that I could have pulled from, and there are over 70 studies out there from, like, major universities and research facilities like Cambridge and Oxford and Harvard, um, 70 of them, 7-0, that, that state that, like, porn is abjectively harmful. Like, it's just not, it's not good. It's not good at all. Um, 
And I wanted to look at that. So is, is, are we just using porn to hide from a deeper issue? Because then people will say that if you want to get healed from porn, then you have to look at that e deeper issue. And I don't discourage that process, but there's enough research out there that shows that like porn in and of itself, uh, it's creating, it's the solution to a lot of its own problems. It creates problems inside of us and then it promises and whispers to us that it's the solution that'll keep us company in the midst of this problem. So like when it comes to like apathy, when it comes to uh, clinical depression and social anxiety, uh, uh, like relational anxiety, like it, it, it produces all those things inside of us. Like we, we become malformed and dysfunctional um, because of pornography. So like pornography is like a problem. If somebody wants to know how to experience life better, then yes, go after some of those root wounds like we all have them. Uh, yeah. God knows I do. Um, but also stop watching porn because that'll go a long way in just allowing you to sleep and allowing you to be present to people and allowing you to like actually create goals. You know, like like one study showed that. Um, well, it's cool. They they took like uh, they took a group of people. Uh, half of them gave up their favorite food, and the other half gave up porn. Uh, for a period of time and then they went back to study the results and the people who gave up porn were actively able to uh, engage delayed gratification so they were able to like imagine goals and hopes and pursue those goals and goals and hopes in ways that people who gave up their favorite food weren't able to which shows that like porn is a, it holds a unique place in the reward center of our brain and when we're viewing porn we're not able to we're not able to imagine and engage inspiration and motivation in ways that we could if we're not watching porn. That that was like so crazy. I actually wrote that down um, when I read the article. That was the 2015 study, and and the quote in there was that that is to say those who don't view porn have a greater capacity and vision for imagining and pursuing goals and hopes. So I love the fact that you know that was pointed out. So you know this show inspire God's people. Uh, so many of my audience and listeners and the, the family here, you know, people are, you know, starting businesses and um, entrepreneurs and, and, and doing things in the corporate business world. There's so much happening here creatively um, that I'm, I'm happy to be able to point out that like, hey, another aspect of a downside of watching pornography is that it kind of kills some of those dreams like it, you know, because and I could understand because. I know there's shame attached to it and things like that. And it's hard to be creative and inspirational when you're shameful. Um, so some of uh, pornography and what it seems to do, it seems to kind of like um, drain you of those of those things, that godly inspiration. Um, and like you said, kind of falsely give you the answers of like, hey, I'm going to help you. But really, really, it's hurting you. Um, yeah. No, that's all great. So oh, go ahead. Jermaine, that is like unequivocally true. Like just like like porn uh, consumes a lot of our passion, um, even if we're just watching it for 30 minutes. But we're we're literally spilling our passion out to pixels like we're wasting passion. And we only so have scary. so much passion to give. Uh, and so even if you just like just take a sober look at it, like that is the act of it. It is spilling out your passion. And that's the beauty of marriage. Like where will you, like where will you give your most potent passion? Right. And like that's to your, your spouse. Like that's the beauty of it. But when you're giving it to pixels, it doesn't give anything back. And so we're like living in this deficit of inspiration and motivation, passion uh, because of the activity itself. And that's just 
I just wanted to say that. That's all. No, that's that's great. And I, to that point, it, it's a, a false sense of love and affection. At the end of the day, similar to the study you mentioned, the experiment with the butterflies, right, and replacing them with the fake plastic butterflies. A lot of times, like, you know, okay, if I took, let's just say, Instagram versus your marriage. In your marriage, like me, my wife knows me. Like, she knows the good, the bad. Like, she sees me when I'm looking nice, sees me when I haven't shaved and I look horrible, right? Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like the internet or whatever it may be with social media, we're seeing an aspect of people. So it's easier to be attracted to the idea of someone. So it's like, if I'm seeing some girl every day on social media, I'm not getting the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs and in betweens. I'm just getting the plastic butterfly. Um, But it's a false sense um, of love, attraction and, and intimacy because at the end of the day, um, it doesn't have the completion. Like you said something earlier about like, um, and I don't remember the exact way you said it, but it, it, it was kind of this way that made me think about art and how there's like, there's almost like beauty in the mistakes of art and, and like our lives. Um, I think it was when you were talking about, you know, you went from kind of not liking God and, and feeling a certain way because of some of the issues and the problems that were happening to understanding what he did, what Jesus did. Um, for our sins, right? If you think about Jesus dying on a cross, that's in, in one sense, that's a very brutal um, picture to paint. But the passion yeah. of Christ is all, is the most beautiful picture you can paint. And I, yeah, I think in, from a real life perspective, that is real life. Real life is beautiful. It's rough. It's ugly. Um, but God yeah. pieces those things together. And whenever we're seeking after the plastic fake version of anything in life. Um, it's just a false sense of reality. Uh, 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 it's a lie, really, at the end of the day. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, no, a secularist document that over well over 50% of divorces are caused by porn. Right? Wow, so like over you, 50%? You lose your past, well over 50%. Like 50% that they know about, right? Like that people are willing to be honest about. So, I, uh, yeah. Is there, is that typically... Do you know, is the divorce typically driven by the person who's, you know, has the porn habit or the spouse that's dealing with the per- person with the porn habit? Do you, do you know that? Yeah, the majority is uh, a reaction to the spouse who has the porn habit. Um, but several of them are by, uh, there is at least a decent percent of it are by those who continue just to choose porn over their spouse. They can't break free and they go their separate way. Either way it goes, it ruins marriages. So no. All right. The, the last thing, uh, last topic I want to talk about um, before we, um, you know, get you out of here on this interview. And I appreciate your time. Um, you know, this is Shane O'Neill, editorial director from Proven Men Ministries, soon to be Proven Ministries um, as they do also have resources and tools and inspiration for uh, women as well. Shane, I want you to talk a little bit and we can go, you can go wherever you want to go with this. Um, I'm, it's not really a question. I'm kind of throwing out a topic. Um, the future of pornography, because you talked about, you know, the virtual reality and, and some of the sex robots and things like that. You know, how is it changing? What are some things people need to be that, like are developing like right now, probably more than we want to admit. Like you said earlier, sometimes Christians, we can live in a bubble, 
Um, but but what are some of the things that we have to think about for our children and their children um, and the future of where this industry is going? Yeah. Um, VR really is virtual reality stuff. So like basically like a headset and you can like, like almost three dimensionally interact with these, uh, these things. Like there's, um, I mean, you ask a question like that, it's just it's, like the answers are always ugly. Um, yeah. Like, like there are, there are uh, stories coming out now of like, like men or women using a VR set while they're having sex with their spouse. Um, so they're put on this VR set and they're having sex with like a harem of women or men. Um, like just like you can pick whoever you want, stylize them however you want, but like your body is actually going into your spouse. You're just not looking at them or interacting or getting aroused or stimulated by them. Uh, that's like, that's like happening now. Uh, sex bots are like really becoming popular at an alarming rate. So sex bots is like, you can customize this, this, this like basically big doll that you can have sex with. Um, and, uh, you can even get like different inserts. So like you can change the face, change skin color, whatever. And, uh, so there's constant novelty ability. There's the physicality of it, which porn doesn't have. Um, it's a physical thing. And like, even now, like certain, certain states and certain countries, certain places in Australia, but like working to get like ratified where you can actually make like, like uh, ma- marriage vows to this sex boss because people are like taking them out in public. They'll take them to to have a meal at a restaurant, like really janky wow. stuff. They're they're pretending to go on dates, you know, with these sex bots. And people are saying like, this is all I've ever needed. Like, cause it's a, it's a thing that only gives and does like never talks back, like never reacts to you, never argues with you, only ever pleasures you is only ever present for your pleasure. Uh, so sex bots are like, it's like really weird. I like, even as I say it, I'm like, this is, is this real? Creepy. Um, but you see it like in certain films, like even like, a something like guardians of the galaxy, like there's this one scene where like a character's coming out of this, this, this place. And you see like sex bots in the background. Uh, and like the, the idea is that in the future, like our, our prostitution places will just be with sex bots, you know, and that's like Guardians of the Galaxy. That's like something we all take our kids to see. And it's so subtle. It's just in the background. That's crazy. Uh, I did an article on that like years ago, and I've been astounded to see it continue to grow in popularity because I just kept seeing it in movies. And it's like it's, it's controlling the imaginations of our children to assume that in the future this is what intimacy will be with and be like. Um, so those are, those are the two probably biggest ones that are worth mentioning. No. And and thank you for sharing that. Again, these are things that, you know, we can't live in a bubble. We have to be real with ourselves. Like you said, I did. I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy. I think I was watching it two weeks ago, but I never even Mm -hmm. noticed that. That's how subtle um, those things Mm -hmm. are. And I know that the sex bots thing is is really getting popular because I was even watching ESPN like a few months ago, uh, partner interruption, and they kind of joked about it. And I'm like, hmm, that's that. It was weird. They they joked about it in the beginning of the show about how it was popular somewhere overseas. Um, but no, yeah, um, great stuff. Well, Shane, um, I definitely appreciate your time today. This was an amazing conversation. Um, but you know, I want to give you the last word. Um, anything you want to share uh, with the audience, as well as how they can stay in touch with you and the ministry at large. Man, it's been a, a gift to be with you, man. I've really enjoyed it. Um, last thing, 
Yeah. So, uh, so I'm a, I'm a, a podcast uh, for Proven is called The Naked Gospel. It's called The Naked Gospel because the counter image to pornography is a man dying naked on a cross for you. We always present Jesus with like some kind of loincloth like that. He was naked. Like he was naked uh, and he was shamed in his nakedness. And like just looking at that image, like a man who's willing to bear that shame, it sobers you. <laughs> It'll turn you off really quick. Um, and so, like, I, I guess I just encourage people, like, the gospel has resources uh, and counter images for pornography. And even as we talked about passion earlier, like, the passion of the Christ, like, he literally spelled out his lifeblood. Like, we spill out our, like, our, you know, our seed, our seed, but, like, he spelled out his blood. And so there's, there's so much passion. He spilled it to the extent that he, he died from it. Um, and so looking at his passion and looking at his nudity, like the things he went through so that he could know us in our nudity and know us in our shame, is the good news for people who are addicted to pornography. It's good news for me because I need a savior who knows me in my nudity and in my shame. Uh, and it can teach me in the way of passion because my sense of passion is really broken. Um, the gospel always seems like the best place to end off, and that's that's what I would want to give to you guys. If you guys go to provenmen.org, um, there are resources for men, but like from there, you can get to proven women and proven wives, other resources on there. Um, again, uh, the Naked Gospel, come join us. Um, and uh, Jermaine, you've been awesome, man. It's been really, really good to be with you. Hey, same here, man. Shane, hopefully this isn't the last time we connect, but um, you know, appreciate your time, brother. And we'll talk soon, all right? Very soon, peace, dude. All right, see you. Guys, people, thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed what you heard, subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That way you can hear the show every single week. Also, you can find us at inspireguyspeople.com. Hit the drop-down box and select podcast. Yo, email me, Music at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about the show. What type of topics and interviews do you want to hear next? And always remember, if you don't like me, just act like you like me. If you're looking for me, I'll be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface. It's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it If you looking for me, I'll be in my own world Create for the creator when I'm in my own world I surf below the surface, it's layers to my purpose Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world